So we're going to look at 1 John. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 John. And uh, John is uh, writing to believers who have been confronting like some false teaching. And that's what he's doing in this letter to them because people have come in and, and have tried to tell the Christians that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. And so that's a problem, right? <laughs> right? We'd all agree. That's a problem. So John, uh, John is writing, confronting that issue. And what he's saying, what he's trying to say as he writes this letter is this. Jesus the Messiah has come in the flesh. And he's trying to help the people who are reading this kind of understand that. And you're going to see that as, as we read this, uh, chapter 1, uh, the, these words and, and the words he chooses to use. That, that is exactly what he's confronting. So uh, for, for 1 John chapter 1 is where we're going to begin, beginning uh, verses 1 to 4. Look what it says. John writes, he says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal, uh, the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us." We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's just stop there for a minute. He says, this is, he's writing to these people, the church, the Christians, the believers, and he's writing about that which was from the very beginning of time. This, this person, this one, this way, this truth, from the very beginning and from the very beginning of their encounter with Jesus as apostles, that, that this is the one that from the very beginning we heard, you know, that you are learning about and you have heard about. And he's saying, we, we not just heard about this, like we are hearing about this. But John is saying, we not just heard about this, but we saw him. We listened to him. We touched him. Like he's real. He's not just some spirit that came down and floated around and, and now we're following some, the boogeyman. We're following Jesus who came from heaven in the flesh, the Messiah, the Christ, the living Son of God. That's what he's saying to them. And he's saying we proclaim this to you. What we've been proclaiming to you from the beginning of the message, right? From the beginning of Jesus' coming. We are proclaiming to you Jesus the Messiah in the flesh. And then he says, he also adds to that, verse 4, he says, we write this to make our joy complete. See it there at the end? To make our joy complete. You know, Jesus in your life should bring joy. Amen? I mean, if that doesn't bring joy, there's nothing that's going to bring joy. But I, I, I think you would agree with me. We get more excited about other things than we do about Jesus sometimes, right? I mean, we get excited when we're on a roller coaster, or we get excited at a ball game, or we get excited watching our team win, or whatever. Lots of things we get excited about, and we show that excitement. We're like, yeah, go, right? 
We show that emotion. We're not afraid to show our emotion of joy when in, in the world. But some reason, when it comes to showing our emotion of joy for what God has done, we just like hold back. Like we can't, we can't do that. And, and John says, I'm writing this about Jesus. Well, we have seen what we have heard, what our hands have touched, so that your joy will be complete, so that you can get excited about what God is doing for you and what he's done for you and what he wants to do in you. Like, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, we ought to be a little more joyous about this. We ought to, we ought to get a little more excited about what God has done, right? He goes on. Look what he says, verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him Okay, these guys, the apostles, John including, they heard this directly from Jesus, and now they're declaring to the believers. We declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not, have the, we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And so verses 5 to 7, John is proclaiming to the believers that we have heard not from, you know, like a cloud, we have, and not from like a bush, and not from a lot of other things that people heard God through in the past. John says, we heard the truth of heaven from Jesus directly. We hear a lot of things from, through people, right? By the grapevine, through the grapevine. We hear a lot of things. But John is saying, that's not how we got our message. That's not how we got this message that we're declaring to you. We got it straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. Well, that's firsthand, that's firsthand experience. That's not like, you know, generational. That's like right from the mouth of the Son of God. We got this information, and we have passed this on to you. He says we declare it to you, and what he's declaring to them that's bigger than ever, that's bigger than anything, is that God is light. Isn't that right? God is light. Look what he says right there. God is light. If we, claim, if we claim that we're in him, but walk in the dark, we lie. We're liars. If we claim that we're believers in Christ, that we have come into the light, but we walk in darkness, think about that. What, think about the things that represent darkness in our world. And there's a lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of things that we would say that is from the darkness right? Okay, there's a lot of things in this world that we would not consider to be godly or to be of God. And, and John says, if you claim to be in the light, to be in God, and you're doing things in the dark, then you're a liar. Wow. That's pretty sobering, right? Like, ears perk up. He just called me a liar, okay? I didn't do that. I'm just reading the scripture, okay? This is what God is saying to us, that if we're going to claim to be in the light, then be in the light, right? Live in the light. Do what people of the light do. Live like God lives. He says, if we claim to be in him, but walk in the dark, we lie. Verses 8 to 10, he says, confess, right? To confess our sins and, uh, and to, to confess our sins and God who is uh, faithful and just will do what? Forgive you, right? 
He's going to forgive you of your sins. If you confess them, you just say, God, here I am. We just be honest with God and we just come clean with God. You're not hiding anything from God anyway, right? So we just come clean with God and we confess our sin to God and he's faithful. He's just, he loves you. He's going to forgive you. He's going to forgive you. Why? Because we are sinners in need of his grace. All of us. We're all in the same boat, okay? We're all sinners and we all need Jesus, right? That's what we need. Well, he says so many good things in here, and as we're looking through this, you can see that. But the key verse that I want us to kind of focus on is verse 7, okay? Look at verse 7. Look what he says. He says, if we walk in the light, this is such a good verse, right? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Just just close your eyes for a minute. Let me say that again and just let it sink in. Just close your eyes for a minute. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, God is able to bring beauty from a rock, isn't he? And we were just saying uh, one of the songs about from the ashes, that God is able to bring beauty from ashes. And when he saves someone, that's exactly what he does, isn't it? Like when you came to know Jesus, I know me. I was dark. I was in the dark. I was living for me, sinful me. I was doing what I wanted to do. I didn't have any consideration for God. All that I, I, I was trying to be polite to people, and, and in some way I was trying to be, uh, to, to be somewhat nice. And I thought that was being godly. That was what I needed to do until I realized what a sinner I was and what a selfish person I was and how lost I was. And I was dark and I was hard and I was in the ashes. And from that, God changed everything. Right? He's able to do that. He's able to bring from the ashes some beauty, and a thankful heart is developed this morning in the light. Okay? A thankful heart is developed in the light. Kind of like, you know, if, you, if you've, uh, back in the day, if you messed with cameras, if you had a Pentax K1000, raise your hand. <laughs> so I had a Pentax K1000. And I uh, took lots of pictures, developed them in, in, in my friend's dark room. And at school, I was in the photo thing, so I got to go in there and develop them. So it's, it's kind of cool how you, you, know, you learn about developing pictures. It was, it was weird because about a month ago, some of my pictures that I took showed up on Facebook. A friend of mine found them. Like I, I would develop them in his father's dark room, and he found some of my stuff, and, it's, and he posted them on Facebook. I'm like, I'm, I'm looking through his, pat, his uh, line, and I'm going, well, those are my pictures. Like, way back in the day. You know, way back in the day. I won't tell you what they're of, but you can get on and look yourself. Um, <laughs> but like the way a camera works, right? It's like the shutter is closed, and when you snap it, it opens fast, and then it shuts again, and that light comes in and exposed on the film, it leaves an imprint right? That later when you develop becomes your picture. It's so like, it's like magical. It's like 
you know, invisible. It's, it's like so cool, like how that happens, right? And, and, and in the same way, God is light. And when, we, when we're in the light, God does something amazing in us, right? He changes everything about us. He, he moves in us and he develops us into the person he wants us to be. And from this hard, calloused heart, God can bring something amazing. And John gives us a couple things that are found in the light. And the first thing is this. In the light, the greatest thing that we find in the light is Jesus. Only in the light will we find Jesus. Okay? Not self-awareness, you know, not enlightenment as the world pushes where you discover a better you. You know, where, 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 where you find a new version of who you are. You know, we, we all kind of go through this when we're younger. We just got to find myself, discover myself, blah, blah, blah. I could tell you, you're lost, you're a sinner, and you need Jesus. That's who you are. Sorry. You know, that's what we all were or are. Okay, we can, we can, we can dance around it, or we can hit it head on and say, this is exactly what's going on, right? Because me is sinful. Me is corrupt. My sinful nature has wandered from God. I was one of the sheep that wandered away. That's me. Sinner in need of God. And finding myself is only like finding a broken me. I can go wherever you want to go, whatever mountain you want to climb. And when you find you, what you're going to find is a broken you separated from God. Lost and in need of a Savior. I am ruined. I am ruined. Do you not get that? We are ruined in and of ourselves. We're ruined. Without God, we are ruined. Do you, do you get that? That's how much we need Him. Because without Him, we are ruined. We are like a puppet that have cut our own strings and we're just a heap of mess on the floor. And we need someone from outside ourselves to reach down and, and, and make us new again. That's what we need. See, what I'm looking for is, is a new me, not the old me. The old me is ruined. I need a new me. I need a new me created in the image of God that only God can restore in me. Because in light, there is truth. And in the truth is the word of God. And in the word of God, we find a righteousness that is from God and is through Christ alone. And in Him, in the light, in this truth, we find a perfect peace where we are free from guilt and sin and shame. And that's what I need. Because I stand before you ruined, in need of His grace. And you are too. See, Jesus is not just in the light. Jesus is the light. See, that's the difference. Like, like, like a flashlight. We got a flashlight, everybody's got a flashlight. So we got this flashlight and we could shine it wherever and there's light, right? There's light. My hand is in the light. And, and in the light is where I want to be, right? Okay, good. Okay. So we're in the light. My hand is in the light. But Jesus, he is the light. He's just not in the light. I'm in the light. We come into the light. He is the light, right? He is the light. He's the source of light. He's the source of truth. He's the source of everything. Jesus is. 
We just don't come into the light. We come into Jesus, and he not just is in the light, but he is the light itself. That's why we need him. And there is no other. There is no one else who can can bring light to your life like Jesus can. Only him, because he is the light. Right? Verse 2, in verse 2, Jesus says, he, the life appeared. The scripture says, John writes, he says, he, the life appeared. Okay? He appeared, not like magically appeared, but Jesus appeared. He was with the Father, and he came to us. He left heaven, and he appeared to us as human beings, to man. The light. Verse 5, if you look at it, it says, God is light. In him, there is no what? There is no darkness. Therefore, Jesus is the light, and in him, there is no darkness. He is pure light. And when we come into his light, what we find there is Jesus, right? Outside the light is only darkness, right? Life appeared or light appeared because of the darkness, right? And many people who live on the planet continue to walk in darkness. Lies come from the darkness. Sin comes from the darkness. Claiming to not have sin is of the darkness, right? It's of the darkness. And you remember Paul or Saul? Remember Saul in Acts chapter 9? Saul was going around. He had letters to go around and persecute Christians. Remember that? And he's on the road to Damascus, on his way to Damascus to, to hunt down and to persecute Christian people, early church people. And all of a sudden, there's this, this blinding light. And Paul is blinded. They see the light, they hear the sound, even the men with them don't see anyone, they just hear the noise. And, and he, Saul is blinded and he's left blinded and the others see no one there, but they see a light and they hear his voice and it's the Lord and he speaks to Saul and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you? And he says, I'm the Lord. Who are you, Lord? And he, in the light, even though he is blinded, in the light, Saul sees Jesus. Because when we come into the light, we come into Jesus, right? Not just into the light of his teaching, but into him himself, right? We come into him. In the light, we find Jesus. We're a thankful heart. You know, in that light where, our, where we find Jesus, our heart becomes thankful. And from this crusty heart comes something beautiful. Secondly, in the light, we find fellowship together. Look at verse 7, what he says there. You got your Bibles open, check it out. In the light, we find fellowship with one another. So don't, you know, we shouldn't be surprised in this world that we don't have a lot in common with unbelievers. Sometimes we try too hard to have things in common with people who don't believe. We try way too hard. And sometimes we, 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 we go beyond what we should go to try to have fellowship with unbelievers. We should impact unbelievers with the light and with the love of Christ. But we shouldn't be surprised when we don't have a lot in common with them, right? Because what harmony is there between, if you think about it, between light and darkness? What harmony is there between Jesus and Satan? Or the table of the Lord or the table of demons? 
or right or wrong? What, what unity, what harmony is there between those things? Can light and darkness coexist? We just read, God is light. And in him is what? No darkness at all. And so light and darkness don't have anything in common. There is no unity. There is no harmony. There is no fellowship between God's people and the glory of God and the world. Right? There is no harmony. They are at opposite ends and they are in opposition to one another. That's where we're at. The foundations that both are being built on are opposite. Right? The foundations are different. Our values of life and truth are not the same. The purpose for life and the scope of eternity is completely opposite. But in the light, in the light where Jesus is, those who are in Jesus, there is perfect fellowship. I'm not saying that we have perfect fellowship because we know we don't. We're human and we're ruined. <laughs> but we are trying to live in the fellowship of Christ, right? And the closer we all move toward him, the better the community becomes, right? True. The more we all strive to be like Jesus and, and do our part and move together in community, the stronger the community gets, the better it becomes. And there is a oneness in the community and the fellowship that, of God's people living in the light, right? There is, there's, there's this oneness in his atmosphere, like we live in an atmosphere, but his atmosphere is different than the world's atmosphere. And when we come into Christ, we come into his atmosphere where everything is different than the world. There's, there's a oneness of purpose in his atmosphere. There's a oneness of mission in his atmosphere. There's one authority, right? There's one hope. There's one God. There's one community. And our goal is to, to keep moving ourselves closer to him and to his light. Outside the light is only chaos and disorder, but in the light is perfect fellowship. Right? And that's what we want. That's where we're moving. That's what I want. I want to be in Jesus so tightly that we have perfect fellowship among ourselves, right? In 1 John chapter 2, if you flip over uh, one page there, uh, John, John speaks to the light and the love uh, fellowship. It's on the slide here. Let me stick it up there if you would. There's what he says in 1 John 2, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Did you get that? Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. And the thing about being blinded is you don't even realize you are. But what is true about this and what John is trying to say here is that if you hate, if you dislike, if you have a, a, emotions of hate towards someone else, toward a brother or a sister, then you're not living in the light. You're living in the dark, right? Because in the light, there is no darkness at all. So you can't, and I can't, enter into the light if I have darkness in me. In the light, there is a king, 
That's what the good thing is about the light. That in the light there is a king. And this king is from all eternity. He is for us. And he came to save us, right? And he is the light. And in him there is complete fellowship. His people like living and loving and forgiving and preparing for eternity with Jesus even now. The community of God preparing for eternity as we live together in the light. Right? While we live preparing for eternity, we are on a mission on the planet, right? Because we know heaven and earth are going to pass away. And in the light, we are the light of God to a dark world. So although we're preparing for eternity, we are on a mission on this planet. And the third thing is this. In the light, we find Jesus. In the light, we find fellowship with one another. And in the light, the final thing he says there in verse 7, if you're looking at verse 7, is we are purified by the blood of Jesus. And this, this is powerful, right? This is powerful. We just came around the Lord's table, right? And every one of us know, every one of us know that when we do that, we take this little cup, a little piece of bread, we know how powerful this is. This is, not, this is not just something we do because we got together on Sunday. It's not some ritual, Right? This is nothing magic about the plastic cup or the little piece of bread. But when this juice touches your tongue, something powerful better happen. We should never take this like flippantly, ever. Right? Because we're talking about the blood of the Son of God being shed for us on the earth, poured out for your sins. Because we're ruined. And taking this is the most powerful thing we do on the earth because of what it means, because of who we're partaking of. We don't thank God for the chiclet and the juice, the Welches. We thank God for what they mean, for what they point us to, and who came to die for us, and whose sin is purified by His blood. And that's a big deal. That's a huge deal, right? That's a huge deal. I hope we all slow down when it comes time to take that and really think about what it is we're doing. This is not just something we have to do every week. This is something we do because we love our God and he died for us, right? And there's so much depth there. In the light, we're purified by the blood of Jesus. And there is light and truth that has cleansing power, right? There's a power that makes everything that it touches holy and pure and whole again. A light that is able to completely like purify your soul. Right? That's deep. That's like powerful. That's like not of this earth. There's nothing on the planet that can purify your soul except the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad he came and died for you? Because if he didn't, you remain in your sins, separated from God and ruined for eternity. But he did come. He came. And he died on a cross, and we should never take the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Christ lightly. We don't come to church because we have to. We come here because we want to enjoy the fellowship of God together as a body, as a community, in the presence of God, singing his praise coming around his table to remember what he did for us. You know, that's so deep and so important. 
So much more meaning to what we're doing here than just showing up and sitting in a pew, right? This light is Jesus. The light is Jesus. And His blood is able to eliminate your sin. There's nothing else that can do that. I don't care how much money or popularity or college education you may have. Nothing can eliminate your sin except Jesus and His blood. The blood of Jesus, it says, purifies us from all our sin. His death on the cross and His shed blood purifies. What does that mean? It means to clean. It means to completely clean as with fire, to burn away as in refining gold or silver, to completely erase. This is so important that we kind of get this, that we listen to what John is trying to say to us as people, that without this, without the blood of Jesus and His sacrifice, we are lost forever, separated from God. John goes on to say in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he uses two words. He says, if you're looking at chapter 2 there, he says, he, Jesus, is our advocate. He is the Father. He is our advocate with the Father, right? That means that he's like our intercessor. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He's the one who stands with us and for us. He is the one who stands right next to you when you are standing toe-to-toe with the God of all creation, He's your spiritual lawyer who stands right here. He is the one who goes between you and the Father for you. He's your advocate. And then he says he is also your atoning sacrifice. You see it there in chapter 2, the first couple verses? He is atoning sacrifice for our sin. So not only is he the one that represents us right here by us, but he's also the one that took the blow. He took our punishment. He took our penalty. He took our death. And he nailed it to the cross so that when we stand before God, God doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. That's what you get when you come into the light. You can't get that anywhere else. You're not going to find that anywhere else. He is our atoning sacrifice, the one that makes us one with God. His blood covers our sin. It pays the penalty that I deserve to pay to be cut off from life in eternity forever. His blood covers me, and in God's eyes, I am forgiven because of Jesus. It satisfies the price and the punishment for my sin, my dark heart. my my thick skin, right? My my sinfulness. The covenant was pretty clear with Adam. If you sin, you die. Very clear. Don't need a lot of explanation on that, do we? God said to Adam, if you sin, you die. And we have all sinned. And in the light, here's the cool thing about this, that in the light, God deals with our debt. Okay? Don't think that God just overlooks your debt. No, he doesn't. He deals with your debt. He deals with the punishment that you are demanded to pay. Because you sinned, you now will die forever and eternity. And so in the light, God doesn't overlook your sin. It's uncovered. It's laid bare. It's revealed. And it's open for God to see. Okay, we gotta, we got to get that straight. God doesn't just wink at our sin. He's done something to pay the penalty for our sin. And what he's done is sent his only son to die for you. See, he deals with it. He forgives it. He eliminates it. That's beautiful. 
right? Just like raising kids, right? They do something wrong. You don't just act like it's all okay and they didn't do anything. You don't. You sit there and you explain to them what they did that they shouldn't have done and you deal with it, you forgive it, and you move on. That's what God does for us. He deals with our sin. He forgives our sin when we come into the light, when we ask Him for forgiveness and we're washed in His blood and He deals with our sin by forgiving it, eliminating it. And and Isaiah wrote, he said this, I am He who blots out your sin and remembers it no more. Once he forgives you of your sin, it's gone. He remembers it no more. Isn't that awesome? His blood, the blood of Jesus that purifies us from all sin, is infused into your soul. And you are given life. A spiritual, almost like a spiritual blood transfusion where the death of your blood is removed and the life of Christ is given. We come around the Lord's table, we better not take that lightly. That's a powerful thing. And only in the light can this be. Only in the light can this be. John 8, Jesus said this, and we're going to wrap this up. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You get that? Jesus came onto the scene, he walked on the earth, he's with the apostles, he's teaching to the people, and he says to all of us, I am the light of the world. Not just the ray of light, Not just in the light, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we are either in the light or we are in the dark. As we live on this earth, not perfect in the light, just forgiven in the light and living in the light. And in the light, God's community finds We find life in Jesus. That's what happens when we are in the community of God and we come into the light. In that light, we find Jesus, the Savior of the world, the light of the world that has come, right? And in the light, God's community enjoys this Jesus-centered, He is all that matters community and fellowship in the light. Powerful fellowship with one another. More power in this room than in all the world. Think about it. The power of God in each of us is greater than the world. We should be doing great things for God in the fellowship of His Son. And in the light, God's community, what we find is His blood washes away our sin and we can be forgiven and cleansed and made one again with God. And in that, there's freedom. There is complete freedom in Jesus. right? And and what happens is a thankful heart bursts forth, right? How can it not? When we realize what Jesus has done and that by coming into him, all this is ours. How could not a thankful heart not burst forth? Of course it does. It has to. That's the only result that should ever happen is that we realize what Jesus did for me, that I was ruined and he set me on his son on the rock. My sins are forgiven. So the question is, are you in the light. Are you living in the light? Are you walking in the light? Have you accepted the light? Are you washed in Christ? Your sins forgiven. Today's the day of salvation. Today. You don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. Right? And Jesus came so that our sins could be forgiven. And he says, now's the day. Don't put it off. Don't put off whatever it is God's calling you to do next. Don't put it off. 
If it's confess Him as Lord, don't put it off. If it's repent, don't put it off. If it's be washed in the baptism's grave of baptism, don't put it off. Do whatever God is calling you to do. That's what you do. That's how we live. Obedient to Him, whatever the next step may be for you. If it's to go to Africa, go. We'll pray for you first and then go. Whatever God is calling you to do, just do. That's, that's what we're called to do. Just obey God. All right? Just live in the light as you walk in this world.